0: You're late. I'm sorry for the inconvenience.
1: You smell like failure.
0: I'm watching you. Please
2: pick up, please pick up. Hello? Oh, thank God. I've been drugged and kicked out by my ex, and I can't see anything because I broke my glasses. Who's
0: this? Are you One? No. Could you video call me in and guide me to somewhere safe? I don't think I'm a person to do this. My ex is going to kill me. I need you to be my eyes please. Okay, let's go. No one is getting murdered today,
2: Oh, no, 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 I see.
0: I'm going to have to find another phone. Can I use your phone, please? Absolutely not. There is a woman who's about to get... Murdered. What kind of crack are you smoking? Ah! Ah! I want my phone back. It's an emergency. Yeah! Yeah! Where is it
2: gone? Keep walking. Tell me the way you here. Now yeah!
1: I need you. Your ass is going to
2: jail.
0: What the? Hey, if you got lost in the woods, what would you do? Oh, wait, you get lost.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike. Joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. How's it going, Venom?
0: Greetings and salutations, convenience store clerks. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Mike, how the hell are you doing?
2: Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, Not much new to report. (laughs) All the same stuff going on with life. So uh, I'll just move it right along to our other co-host, Don and Ellie. How's it going, Don?
1: Yeah, what's up? Always happy to be here.
2: All right, well... um, Interesting situation with this week's episode. Uh, There was technically a theatrical release. It was kind of one of those mid to uh, smaller releases um, that Venom got a chance to see, but me and Don didn't have screens close enough to us, uh, so we picked something from VOD, uh, and that was Unseen. Unseen, so this one actually looks like the official release date was back in March, and... I had actually heard about this a few weeks ago. Uh, someone kind of had it on their on their list of like early 2023s that they thought were pretty good. So I was like, all right, I'll keep that in mind, you know, as long as we didn't get too far into the year um due to its release date, but um yeah, I was kind of struggling with like to find other VOD stuff cuz there hasn't been any shortage, but I don't know, a lot of the stuff I I was like sifting through to find something because you know we even when we go to bod we the goal is to still try to find something uh worthwhile to discuss so we'll find out if uh that happened this week or not so i will take the synopsis off imdb sam receives a call from emily a nearly blind woman who is running from her murderous ex in the woods she must survive the ordeal with sam being her eyes using video call so yes, as you guessed, uh, some screenplay comes into this movie, but uh, it's done a little differently than you would expect. Well, not how would you expect for the story, but when you hear screen, you probably think in a specific type of movie that this is not necessarily. But let's get into our general thoughts. Venom, what did you think of Unseen?
0: Um, yeah, I, I was just saying that I actually had a really good time with this movie. I enjoyed this movie a lot. There's some very obvious parallels to a movie that came out a couple of years ago called See For Me that all three of us kind of, you know, collectively agreed was a good film. Maybe not necessarily much of a horror film due specifically to the um, motivations of the antagonists in this film. The motivation of the antagonist solidly puts this in the horror genre now. This isn't going to be a horror roller coaster ride. There's not a high body count. In fact, there's an incredibly small body count. But it's really just a tense story of watching this blind woman try to traverse the woods with a total stranger uh, on Facetime, and just trying to. And obviously, as the movie goes along, the uh, the phone gets in more damage. There's there's uh, low battery situations to deal with. There's just different things like that, and ultimately. I just love the way this story panned out. I love that this movie has a B story. You know, not a lot of 90-minute horror films have solid B stories, and this one actually does. You know, it's basically, um, you know, the tumultuous situation happening with uh, Emily and then yet another tumultuous situation happening with Sam at the convenience store. And I just, I had a really good time with all of it. I had some problems with the movie as far as some of the... um, Uh, character performances but not by our main two our main two were spectacular um it was nice to see missy Pyle here as a kind of uh karen uh you know entitled white karen bitch who basically wants everything to go her way um for those who don't know missy Pyle was uh what does she do she she was violet beauregard's mother in charlie and the chocolate factory she was also one of the aliens from Galaxy Quest, one of those crazy talking aliens that I and I love that Galaxy Quest. So it's nice to see Missy Pyle again. But this time she's playing an absolute bitch. So um, it fit her, though. She absolutely uh, performed well in the role. Um But yeah, like I said, this is the story of two women, one trying to survive, you know, a murderer, and another one just trying to survive a day at work. And uh, I just I, I thought that dichotomy worked really well. I thought the performances were good. Um, The split screen, like early on in the film, the split screen was kind of bothering me when it was just Emily running through the woods by herself. And basically they would do a split screen where you would see like the camera view on one side, but then Emily's view on the other. And obviously Emily's partially blind, so it's a lot of fuzzy screen, blah, blah, blah. But then once Sam was introduced to the situation and they were using the split screen for their phone conversation, conversations, then I loved it. Then I was down for that split screen. I was just loving being able to see both characters in the moment without having to, you know, pan back and forth or, you know, cut back and forth, I should say, to the different characters. So that worked for me. It had a very satisfying ending. I was very happy with the ending. I'm very picky when it comes to my endings. And this one, though not a masterpiece by any stretch, was still very satisfying um, for someone like me. You know, somewhat of a happy ending, if you will, which is kind of rare in horror films. So, yeah, overall, I had a really good time with this one. Not a 10 out of 10 or, you know, anything that might even appear in my top 10 at the end of the year, but a solid film with some great performances Um, But specifically from our two stars, Midori Francis and Jolene Purdy as Emily and Sam. Just, you know, really likable characters, you know, really down to earth, organic. It it just everything, just about everything about this movie worked for me. I didn't roll my eyes once. I didn't cringe at any point. Um, (laughs) The fact that part of the movie is set in Florida explains a lot of what happens at the convenience store. But we'll get into that in the spoiler section. But yeah, overall, I had a really good time with this one.
2: all right cool uh let's throw it over to don what did you think of unseen
1: yeah i'm pretty much in the same vein as Adam, although he's a little higher on it because i have a little bit more issues with it than he did um i, I mean the obvious comparison to a uh you know see for me is uh understandably valid and uh you know definitely warranted there's uh more than one similarity uh that takes place here that you know both films uh somewhat utilize uh I, I do agree. I, I think this one's a little bit better at it. Um, I, I do like the way that it uh, plays a much um, more impactful part of the story. It's not necessarily as uh, logical to the story as C for me was. I thought that one was a little bit more um, organic with how it in, with how they uh, inter- how they introduced it, and this one just feels like it's a, kind of a gimmick to you know maybe like tackle the you know, whatever hoopla or something that, you know, if you can say that about this kind of a film, but yeah, overall, I, I do like the, the way it goes. I do like a lot of the interactions that take place between the two of them over the phone. I, I, I think that has a, you know, a really nice charm that, you know, you kind of start rooting for both of them to help each other out and get out of the situation. And, you know, the the further along it goes, but man, everything in that gas station is just so unbelievable. And I, I, <laughs> It it just feels odd to introduce this kind of uh, you know over the top wacky comedy in a situation that the the A story is this realistic thriller. Um, I I I don't agree. I don't think it's a horror film. I think it's a closer horror film than uh, C for me is, but I, I I still wouldn't necessarily go there with it. it. It's still for me very subtly a thriller, but it, yeah, just the way that the real, the realism angle that takes place in the woods counteracts with this goofy over the top comedy that takes place in the convenience store. It just feels really jarring. Like there are two, like it's a, you know, it's a thriller that takes place at the, you know, the, in the woods. And then you have this workplace comedy that's trying to, you know, take place at the same time and they just mesh the two together. And uh, it, it some of it works. Some of it doesn't. um I mean, yeah, OK, I, I know it's Florida, but uh, there's one gaping flaw that just really just irked the hell out of me. And um, I, I mean, we'll get there when we get there. But yeah, that there is a part of me that just was like completely non, non-invested in one of the, the big angles that took place here. But <laughs> it, yeah, overall, it, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's really high on my list. I, I don't have too many like, you know, genuine genuine flaws with it. But overall, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, it's definitely a really, uh, really fun time. And uh, I'm definitely glad we, you know, got to something this week. So, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a, it was a fun time, and I, I really enjoyed it.
2: All right, cool. Um, so yeah, I was a little afraid I was going to be the one that liked it because, uh, I, I as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, there's probably things that, you know. Other people aren't gonna like about it. I, I do kind of agree with Don. Like, so I actually did like the A and B story, but I can definitely understand Don's point. Like, the B story aspects of it did kind of feel comedic, which you could say could might have like broken the horror tension. Although, eventually, as that situation escalates, I do think, um, if not straight horror, it, it definitely is, the B story fits like the thriller at least because once you know, the people start coming back and going after her. I thought it, I thought the B story though was kind of a creative way to um, pad like a, like a finished story. Right. Um, We we talk about runtimes in movies a lot. This, this has got to be like one of the shorter ones we've ever covered it, it clocks in, I think at like, uh, it's, it's listed as an hour and 16 minutes. That's sub the full, 80 yeah, minutes. the full
1: runtime is, you yeah, the full runtime is 75 or 76. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And,
2: and in, mm-hmm. technically I would say it's even, I mean, the meat of it's even shorter because we do get like an epilogue section at the end that I would say that might be the most unnecessary part of the movie because, Oh, boo. I mean, no, I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It, it, the conclusion, you know, we get to see like kind of the aftermath. It's fine. But to me, like if the movie would have ended, I'll just say for the purpose of the, not a hundred percent saying what it is, if it would have ended with the end of what at happens at the convenience store. store yeah. Right. Yeah. Because we still get the crux of like, what's going to happen next. Right. The, the exoneration is going to happen. And that's why I think there's a smile on her face, despite what's taking place. So we kind of get, you know, how it's gonna turn out ultimately, but then they kind of threw in like, well, let's make sure you know that like they end up going down this road. Nothing, like I said, nothing wrong with it, but like I, I think like maybe in a longer movie they almost, or if a movie would have already been longer, they might not even care to like tack that on. Um, so back to like the short runtime aspect, yeah, we we kind of get like really straight into it and that that is something that's like appreciated especially in like the lower budget movies like we don't need a lot of background about what's going on you kind of just get the picture like right when we get to our first setting um and you really kind of know what's going on from the get-go um so <laughs> talk about not padding movies this, this doesn't really feel too padded i'm glad that i was entertained by the b-side because in like lesser movies you would think the b-side of the story was a whole waste of time or they just wouldn't give much background like obviously oh i've called someone i've reached them and that's the gist or that's pretty much it for the person on the other side of the phone for the most part but it it does feel um like that we got entertainment from both our leads like they gave them both uh a reason for us to kind of care about you know what's going on to root for the success of the situation um and you know to sympathize kind of with both of them so I, i thought that was well done especially for a lower budget movie sometimes it's hard to you know be invested in the characters the way this movie had me invested in everything turning out or not um and yeah i think there was definitely you know some comedic tone mixed in there but That's okay. I mean, I I still really enjoy the movie for what it was. Like Venom said, will it end up on a top 10 list? Probably not. But I don't need every movie to be top 10, you know, especially on kind of like a blind watch on VOD. Um, I think it got the job done. And like I said, an hour and 15 minutes is not much of a commitment to give it a chance. So I would recommend people check it out once it's available to them if, you know, if they're waiting for it to actually hit a streaming service versus uh, making like the BOD rental. So yeah, I, I liked it.
0: Yeah, man, I, I genuinely love that B story. I don't know if it's because I've worked at a convenience store in that job, but the first half of the B story is so realistic, you know, boss yelling at you for something you didn't do, um, you know, uh, multiple things happening at once, entitled care and customers rushing you, and blah blah blah. Um, obviously, it gets over the top towards the end, and you know, the only thing that I could say to defend that aspect of the B story is Florida. That's really my one-word defense for the end of the B story. It's fucking Florida.
1: Yeah. 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 To me, that's still that's still just not enough to justify it. I, I no, I, it's I, not. I'm not justifying yeah. it because I I don't say that as a. Def- that's what I'm saying is that as a defense, I, I think that's kind of lacking because I, I, I agree. I, I do like the first half of it. It's just once the husband arrives, that's when I have a problem with
0: it. Right, right. But I I also wouldn't be lying if I said I've seen people in Florida walking around with assault rifles and not being bothered by anyone, police or otherwise. Okay, so, good. Like,
1: well, since we're saying that, yeah, that's my one issue with everything. Oh, no, me too. <laughs>
0: For yeah, me, the first thing the
1: police do is attack exactly. the group that's locked away instead of looking at the one douchebag holding an assault rifle.
0: There's literally three armed white people in the store and one unarmed minority, and the cops go after the unarmed minority. Minority, my friend. Yeah, since Florida. I mean, I was trying that's to. I to say. Yeah, I was, <laughs> tr-
1: I, I was trying not to spoil it, but since you went out and said it, yeah that right well, I mean, there is it's, it's out a
0: context so nobody really knows what the hell we're talking yeah, about yeah but i'm, but I'm yeah. just
1: saying is that I, I was trying not to spoil it since you went ahead and said it explicitly mm-hmm. yeah that whole segment section right there is uh exhibit a of why i have a an issue with that whole storyline right right
0: but that like i said i think that i feel like that's where the comedy is coming from they set it purposely in tallahassee florida if they set that convenience store in any other state in this country maybe texas but in any other state, it's going to be even more over the top and ridiculous. So I, I don't know. I, it, I agree with you, Don. It is it's unbelievable. It, it, it's a crazy situation. But being the only minority on this show, I can tell you it's not unrealistic for the police to go after the unarmed minority when they're I mean, don't forget, even when they went to arrest Kyle Rittenhouse, they arrested the black guy that got shot first. I mean, you know, this is America, folks, so I know I might be exaggerating, but I I, I guess I just see things differently as a minority. I've seen, you know, a lot of fucking racism. And when I see the end of the movie, yes, uh, a bell went off in my head where I'm like, well, wait a minute. What the fuck? But then all questions were answered by the one word Florida. (laughs) So I'm okay with it. (laughs) Uh, One other thing I wanted to say that Mike kind of alluded to. Um, the fact that they don 't do the character development at the beginning of the movie, you get the character development throughout the film as emily and and Sam are talking back and forth on the phone that 's where we 're getting all of our character development during the quiet times when Charlie you know isn 't right behind Emily you know in the woods, and she has like a quiet moment where she could talk about her story and everything else and then later in the film, Sam kind of makes a revelation about her family life and something that's kind of giving her guilt as well so yeah i i really love the way they did the character development in this one i mean that's probably why a, you know an hour and 16 minutes is really all you need and i'm going to completely disagree with mike with the epitaph of the film because i was so invested in these characters i needed that scene i did not want the movie to end with one of our characters you know w- what was happening to her to just end it like that. Yes, Mike is right. Logically, we know what's going to happen. You know, we know everything's going to be fine. You know, there's phone records. There's, you know, video. There's blah blah blah. You know, there's witnesses. So blah. You know, like I said, we all know where it's going to go. But to actually see it, and it, it was only like two minutes long. It's not like like it was even a gigantic scene. It was a two quick two minute phone conversation that they had. Which was a perfect way to end the movie. I mean, they were on the phone with each other the whole movie in a perilous situation. So I feel like that final scene was needed, at least in my opinion. I loved it. I loved it regardless. Um, I feel like these two deserve their happy ending. Plus, if we don't get the epitaph. Oh, no, no, that was before, right? Or was that the very, very end of the film? I don't remember. The business card. That was before the epitaph. That's right. That, no, no, it was after. That's right, because she was in her car. So without the epitaph, we don't we don't find out who Sam was trying to call that day. And I think that's vitally important for Sam's character. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but there's there's a little reveal in the very last shot in the film. Um, obviously, we'll go over it here when, when we get into uh, spoilers. But, yeah, w- without that without that epitaph, uh, you know, be, because Sam even asked, af- excuse me, Emily, at one point in the movie, even asked Sam, who are you trying to call? When you called me by accident, who were you trying to call? And Sam plays it off as, oh, I think I was just trying to order a pizza. And then at the very end of the epitaph, we get the reveal of what she was trying to do. And it just makes the movie so much heavier. And it also makes Sam's final line in the film very um, profound. Which obviously I can't really get into here, but in the spoiler section, yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, I I yeah, I gotta disagree with Mike. I love that epitaph. I i it, it's the it's the bow on my present, it's the cherry on my Sunday. I loved it.
2: <coughs>
0: oh, what All else right. can we say before spoilers?
2: Um I was g I was gonna say and I and I'll make it uh and not a spoiler, but the, the sequence with the truck. I was almost getting ready to be like, oh, this is unbelievable. But the way they handle it made it, okay, yeah. this is a good, good job. Unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was going to like lead to some bigger sequence about, like. Yeah. yeah. Basically, I'll get into it with spoilers, yeah. but I'm, I'm glad. Like
0: it's going to be a big old Indiana Jones escape or something. Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> I thought, like, a good job. the the, 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 the thing that the movie was doing well is for the most part it was keeping it like kind of grounded as far as like yeah you're guiding this person with the phone screen but how well you know how well is it actually going to work like you could make make the argument if you really wanted to be a curmudgeon about it like dude she's gonna be tripping stumbling constantly but i i gave it that much charity but if she would have got in the truck and like, you know, pulled off stunt driver ability with someone guiding her through yeah, a yeah, phone exactly. screen. I would have been a little more like, okay, now this is going down points, but they, the way they handled it, like, I, I was like, okay, good job.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And and I can't even complain about a certain scene with a weapon dropping in this one because Sam actually talks Emily out of doing something like Emily was about to finish the job, quote unquote, and, and, uh, excuse me. Emily, yeah, Emily was, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get names mixed up back and forth, but, um, Emily was about to do something and then Sam talks her out of it. Something that if, she, if, if Emily would have done it on her own accord, I would hate her. I would instantly be like, oh, what the fuck. But, but the fact that Sam was there trying to be the voice of reason and stopping her from doing it, I'm okay with it. And I'm okay with the rest of the movie after that. Cause usually I wouldn't be. Usually I'd be like, what the fuck? The movie could be over by now, but, no, I I just like the way I really, really love the way they handled it here. Uh not a very tropey movie and that makes me happy. <laughs> Likeable characters, you know, believable situations. Uh you know, other than the end of the B story, which gets over the top, like we said already, but yeah, I, I had a blast with this one. I really, really liked it. And it's yeah. an hour and sixteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, and more.
2: I and I think what's cool is like a phone screen is used uh in in the process of the movie obviously but it's it's not a movie where they just like film the whole thing through a screen right exactly cuz at first i th- i thought like once the phone got involved i was like okay we're going to switch to like that pov but yeah, exactly. nope, it was just part of the plot and part of the the uh way to shoot it and mm-hmm. not the entirety so i was like good good job
0: that's why that's why i was praising the split screen later in the film cuz i way prefer that to you know, just the, the the view of the screen for like, you know, half hour straight or something. But they handled it with a split screen and I appreciated that. It just made, you know, because, you know, I I, I don't want to look at a screen just like anybody else. I don't want to look at a screen for 20 minutes straight. You know, you're looking at what a screen of the woods and then the other screen is going to be Sam's big fat face, you know, in in the screen looking back at Emily. So another thing I appreciate, I'm seeing more and more horror films this year with. Not Hollywood starlets in starring roles. I'm appreciating that lately. Um, Obviously, we got Piggy earlier this year. Uh, Sick, as much as I hated Sick, the main lead of that one was kind of a chunky, not ultra-attractive girl, blah, blah, blah. So I'm kind of liking this move towards not having all supermodels, especially after coming off of uh, Kill Her Goats, which we fucking hated last week, or at least I fucking hated. Um, It's nice to see real people in movies again. So. Uh, appreciated good casting in other words
2: <laughs> yeah anything totally else agree i just agree yeah. with that you know
1: yeah
0: all right so i guess that's going to be your spoiler warning folks we've discussed as much as we can about the film without getting into specific plot points um but ultimately it is a very simple concept you know it's not like uh this is too complicated or you know overly convoluted by any stretch. This is a nice, simple story with a nice, simple solution, and it works out, and I love it. So here we go. Our Thanks. movie opens up, uh, and we are introduced to Emily. Emily, uh, as we can see, is being held against her will. Her hands and feet are zip-tied together, and she's out cold. She basically comes to um starts looking around and that's when we you know and we're looking through her her pov so that's when we find out that she's partially blind i mean i wouldn't go so far as to call her blind because i think i see about as well as she does without glasses like everything is just kind of shapeless blobs when i don't have my glasses or contacts on so Eh, blind might be a bit of a stretch but that's okay partially blind is okay um and when she does finally get her glasses on and sees who her captor is it's charlie her ex uh ex- fiance, I think I don't think they were ever actually married, but uh, I think uh, they were engaged to be married at some point. Charlie was a doctor, uh, a very affluent doctor who made a lot of money, blah blah blah. probably is why he was able to get a beautiful girl like Emily to marry him. Um, and as the film goes along, we find out that you know, uh, Charlie's been having problems ever since his father died. He's kind of losing control of uh the family's finances he ended up losing his job as uh you know on the medical staff at a hospital blah 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 and then finally emily ends up leaving him this is all stuff that we'll find out throughout the movie i don't remember the specific scenes that these individual uh you know plot points were talked about so i'm just going to talk about some of them here like i said charlie is a uh you know um a failed doctor let's just go with that And then basically she spends time trying to figure out what Charlie's doing. Charlie, of course, has, you know, has that uh, attitude of, if I can't have you, nobody can, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, obviously he's um, doing that gaslighting thing where he's telling her that it's her fault and that she left him, you know, um, without cause and blah, 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 and broke his heart and everything else, blah, 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 blah. blah. We go back and forth. You know, Emily eventually is able to get out of her um, constraints, Um, I think, yeah, Charlie Kind of pulls out a knife And puts it up to her throat to kind of threaten her But then he puts the knife down at one point Um, Emily is able to get the upper hand on Charlie She's able to grab the knife off the table And cut uh, the zip ties off her feet Um, Unfortunately, Charlie comes to Before she could get the zip ties off her hands She ends up dropping the knife And running out of the cabin And that's kind of like the first half of our um, cold open. The next part of the cold open is Sam, where we are introduced to Sam. And I might be doing this backwards, honestly, but I, I think it's it's good. It's our cold open regardless. Uh, we are introduced to Sam. Sam is a large girl uh, living in Tallahassee, Florida. We see her when we're introduced to her. She's sitting in her car. Um, she's in the parking lot of the convenience store that she works at. So she hasn't quite started her shift yet. And then we see her make a phone call. Uh, We see the number on the phone. She makes the call. Uh, Instead of being connected to who she was trying to call, she ends up accidentally calling Emily. At the point that she called Emily, Emily was still tied up at the cabin, at Charlie's cabin. So she obviously wasn't able to answer the phone. When Sam got the voicemail of someone that she didn't recognize, obviously she just hung up and went into the store. And that's kind of our cold open right there. Uh, The movie continues with Sam in the convenience store. Um, She's obviously not happy to be there. I mean, what adult woman, you know, likes working in a convenience store for a living? Obviously, there's probably some financial or family issues with Sam that we'll find find out about later. She ends up getting yelled at by her boss to fix the slushy machine that she claims she didn't touch. And the boss doesn't believe her, of course. I I, I think his exact line was, if you didn't touch it, it wouldn't be fucking broken, which is such a shitty boss thing to say. But, you know, I've worked in convenience stores. So I've I've heard lines like that coming from shitty uh, franchise owners of, you know, convenience stores and whatnot. So Um, let's see. So. Once uh, we At this point, we go back to Emily. Emily's back in the woods. Uh, She's by herself. Um, Unfortunately, she dropped her glasses while she was escaping the cabin. And again, she is basically just seeing blobs. She is at one point able to grab her phone and call 911. Uh, She actually does get a hold of a 911 operator. Surprisingly, they're in the woods, but they still have cell coverage. So that's one horror trope averted. I like that. Um, So when she's talking to the 911 operator, she lets her know, my name is this, I'm being held captive by this person, um, and I don't know where I am. I just know that I'm in the woods. Uh, The operator lets her know, okay, it's going to take us some time to triangulate your position using your cell phone. It's probably going to take close to an hour. And, of course, Emily's upset. You know, I I could be dead in an hour. I'm literally in the process of running away from my murderer right now. I mean, is there anything you could do to, you know, speed it up a little bit? Um and then while she's on the phone with the 911 operator, Charlie kind of shows up and you know, she, she ends up hanging up with the 911 operator, you know, just to not make any noise while Charlie's in the vicinity. Uh once she gets away from Charlie again, she uh she ends up calling the number and what she ends up doing is I think she's trying to call 911, like I think she's just trying to hit the redial or or going back to her call list and just tapping the last call that she made or received. But instead of hitting 911, she accidentally hits the wrong number that that she received earlier, which of course was from Sam. So she calls Sam. Sam's at work by herself. Her boss has finally left. There's not any customers in the store. So she's just chilling. And Emily instantly starts just rattling off, you know, please help me. I'm being chased by, you know, my fiance. He's trying to kill me. I don't know where I am and I don't have my glasses, so I'm blind. Obviously, Emily, or excuse me, obviously, Sam at the convenience store doesn't really know what to do with this. At, you know, she might think it's a prank or something at first. But, you know, once Emily, once she actually, once Sam actually looks at Emily's face and sees the terror in her eyes, I think she kind of understands that this isn't a prank. But at the same time, Emily tries to get out of it. Like, she's like, listen, I'm just not the right person for this. I don't handle stressful situations well, blah, blah, blah. Um, I really, really think you should try to call someone else. And Emily's like, I'm blind. I can't call anybody else. I literally, um, you know, Sam offers to call the police for her. Emily says, I already called the police. They're already trying to find out where my position is. So calling them again isn't really going to help. Um, but, you know, again, basically, Emily just begging Sam, just please stay on the phone with me. Finally, after some coercion, Sam does agree and says, OK, uh, let's let's do it.
2: I, and I and like it, the it, fact that she was mm-hmm. reluctant. I like the fact that they used like yeah. just a random convenience store clerk instead of like, you know, some type of emergency worker that was like in to help right away. I, 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 yeah, that's part of why stories. I like.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's part of why I like this one better than C for me, because. In C for me, it was an app, an actual like real app that you could download where someone can be the eyes for a blind person using FaceTime. This is just a total stranger. So it's like the um, you know, the stakes are higher, the, you know, it's much more perilous, blah, blah, blah. Especially because as we already said, the antagonists in C for me were thieves. They weren't killers necessarily. I'm sure they would have killed if need be, but you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, back to unseen. So um, You know, there's just multiple scenes of uh, Sam uh, leading Emily through the woods. And when when Sam notices that Emily has her hands zip tied, Sam is actually pretty crafty in this movie, because as soon as she sees that her hands are zip tied, she looks up a video on YouTube on her phone on how to get, you know, how to break zip ties on your hands. She sees the video from some Russian guy. Um, then explains it to uh, to Emily on the phone, and yeah, she's able to get the zip ties broken off her hands using the technique that Sam found on YouTube, so kudos to Sam there. So now Emily's hands are freed, but she's still basically blind, she's running away, blah, blah, blah. At one point in the film, they realize, or or should I say, Sam looks up another video on what to do if you get lost in the woods, uh, she also ends up asking one of the clerks, like a hunter, uh, not clerks, but a customer, a customer, a customer comes into the store and he's very obviously a hunter. He's got a rifle over his shoulder. He's wearing camo, blah, blah, blah. And Sam asks him, uh, what would you do if you were lost in the woods? And the guy kept being an asshole saying, I would never get lost in the woods. And you know, Sam is like, but if you did, and again, the guy's like, well, I would never get lost in the woods. So I don't even know why you know we're having this conversation. And finally, Sam is like, we, would you just fucking humor me? What would you do if you were lost in the woods? And that's when the guy tells him, okay, I guess the first thing I would do is I would look for water, um, a river, a stream or something, and then follow it downstream. Cause you know, that, that's probably going to be your safest bet to find civilization, to follow the water downstream. Eventually you're going to run into a dam or a levee or something, um, or a town, you know, whatever the case may be. So, so Sam is then able to relay that information to Emily. So now it's basically, how do we find water? Once again, Sam goes to YouTube, looks up a video, how to find water in the woods. And um, what she finds is that you should follow birds. Like if you hear any birds flying over, birds are almost always flying towards water, especially at night, according to you know the information that Sam found. Emily remembers that she had heard a flock of birds just a couple of minutes ago flying over her head, and she starts walking towards that direction. Um, obviously, Charlie's you know in chase the whole time. I do gotta say, man, Charlie was an overconfident killer. Like I don't know if this is Charlie's first kill, and he just thinks that Emily's so weak that she's not going to get away because Like he literally watches her walk into the woods from the cabin. Like after he comes to Emily, like I said, was able to get the upper hand. She smashed a vase on his head and then ran out of the cabin. He comes to and as he comes to and walks out of the cabin, he literally sees uh, Emily disappear into the woods. But instead of chasing her, he literally just goes back in the house, bandages up his wounds. I'm sitting here like, what the fuck? This guy is either an idiot or way too overconfident. Like, maybe they're deeper in the woods than we actually know they are, um, which is quite possible. We never really find out what part of the woods they're in. We only know that they're in Michigan. That's about all uh, Emily's able to know.
2: He probably Um, thinks she's blind and helpless without her glasses or something. Like, she's not going to go anywhere.
0: Exactly. That's what I
2: assumed, yeah.
0: But then he does it again later in the movie, like the, during a chase. Um, he actually gets the upper hand on her and then walks away. Ah, like uh, this guy is just really, really overconfident, like I said. So um, let's see. So eventually, like I said, um, Emily does find water. Uh, she's um, There's a little bit of a standoff because Charlie pulls up in his truck Right where Emily is at the water, but there's a drop off right where the water is. So Emily's basically hiding under the drop off, and Charlie is above her looking down, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't see any footsteps. Luckily, he doesn't see her phone either because her phone is on, and Sam is on the phone looking at Charlie Um, at one point. It even looks like Charlie looks directly at the phone, but apparently he doesn't. And um, like I said, just walks away and continues his search in the woods. At this point, Emily and Sam continue their journey downstream. Obviously eventually Charlie does end up catching up to her. They have a standoff at the cliff. Uh, This is where Charlie once again goes into his toxic, masculine bullshit. Of, you know, you broke my heart, you know, you left me for no reason, you know, basically trying to um, turn everything or every time she has a defense, he turns it around on her to make him seem like the victim when he's fucking holding a shotgun at the face of a blind woman and he's still trying to play the victim, which is fucking glorious. But yeah, there you go um eventually they have a little bit of a uh, he tries to strangle her like he he literally has a shotgun in his hand but rather than just shoot her and end this fucking you know cat and mouse shit he tries to strangle her um as he's strangling her she's basically fighting struggling they're still on at this point they're on a long cliff like a like a, a high cliff uh going down to the rest of the water i don't know how the fuck they got up there but there you go Um, and eventually they have a struggle. Emily falls off the cliff into the water. She hurts her knee on impact with the water, so now she's, like, hobbling around. Charlie is pissed off. Like, it's so great to see Charlie get mad and just start, you know, fuck, 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 you know, because she got away, and obviously he wants to make sure that he takes care of her and then deals with the body. He doesn't just want her to float, you know, into a city or something, so obviously. And at this point, the police have his name, that's the thing like she's already called the police given and Emily's already given her full name, Charlie's full name, addresses, everything. So it's like Charlie's going to be on the lam when this is all said and done. There's no way he's going to be able to go back home. Obviously, I don't think that was his intention since he lost everything. His father died. You know, has no job, blah, blah, blah. Um. So, like I said. Emily falls off the cliff into the water. Uh, She ends up floating downstream a little bit. And when she finally hits uh, the shore, um, you know, the sun is starting to go down. It's starting to get dark, which was something I was thinking about all throughout the movie. I'm like, what happens once it gets dark? Like Sam's not going to be able to see shit on the phone. And that was kind of true. Like, you know, she was able to see lights and things like that, but not clear pictures of like paths or anything. So Uh, let's see. At this point, Emily um, is at on the shore, and she's basically given up. She's she's still on the phone with Sam, but she basically says, I, I'm done running. I, I just, I can't run anymore. I'm tired. I, I'm going to die just from exposure. Let me just let him find me and kill me and just, you know, be done with this. And Sam, of course, talks her out of it, Um, you know, tries to, you know, kind of pep talker, you know, cheer her up get her back into running mode and then this is when sam gives um emily a little bit of a revelation about her earlier in the film uh sam mentioned that she moved to tallahassee to be with her mother three years ago because her mother was sick and potentially dying Um, as it turns out uh her mom uh, uh sam's mom died about a year previous to the events of this movie Um, but she never tells her how she just basically, you know, it makes it sound like she just died of her illness or, you know, old age or whatever. At this point in the film is where Sam admits, no, uh, my mother didn't just die from, you know, natural causes. I ignored her Uh, on the the night that my mother died. I couldn't take it anymore. I was just I, I was pulling my hair out. I just had to get out of the house. She ends up going out, getting drunk, passing out somewhere, coming home the next morning and finding her mother dead. So her mother actually died because of her neglect. And this is part of the reason why earlier she did finally agree to help out Sam. And this is also the reason why she's not giving up on, uh, excuse me, why Sam isn't giving up on Emily. Um, So, yeah. um, But Emily is still like, you know, I think I'm done Um, And she asks for one more favor. She asks for Sam to call uh, Emily's mother uh, while they're both on the phone together. She calls Emily's mom um, and through the through the cell phone and the landline at the convenience store, um, Emily is speaking to her mother, basically apologizing, saying I was a terrible daughter. You know, I tried to use the guise of my career and that that career was to help you. But then I used that as an excuse to not visit you. I should have visited you more. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, obviously, Emily's mom doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Um, and then she hears Sam's voice and says, who is that person? Emily introduces Sam as her friend. And then that's when Emily goes into excuse me, that's when when Sam goes into her tirade about, you're not going to give up. You're going to get the fuck up. You're one of the toughest women I know, blah, 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 your standard pep talk. And when Emily finally, you know, works up the courage to get up and continue on the, you know, the, the escape plan, she sees a light up at the top of the hill and Sam sees the same light. So they, they go towards the light because it's not a flashlight. It's like a light on the side of a house or something. It's a big floodlight. Uh, so they know it's not Charlie. So, they uh, Emily walks up the little hill that's there in front of her, and when she gets over the hill, she sees that it's a barn um It's basically a barn with a couple of big floodlights um outside of it, just you know probably for um trespassers and whatnot um and then just as she's as Emily is arriving to the barn, uh Sam sees Charlie behind her chasing her. Um, But Charlie doesn't notice her right away, but he does see the barn. So he kind of figures, well, she's probably hiding in there. If she's smart, she would be hiding in there. Um, And then this is where we get our big standoff where Emily gets into the barn. She, you know, she she bars the door behind her, you know, with the slot of wood, the slat of wood that's usually there behind a barn door. And she's basically asking Sam to find a weapon for her, a pitchfork, an axe, a knife, a machete, anything. Unfortunately, there's no real weapons in this barn. And, but what they do end up finding uh, is a, uh, a pesticide dispenser, one of those backpacks with, like, the spray gun attached to it. And as soon as they see that, Emily says, I have an idea. Let's try something. Uh, we don't actually hear what the idea is in real time, but what happens is we see Charlie... Uh, reach the barn Uh, he uses the shotgun that he has with him to blow the uh, bar off the door so he can get in he gets in and basically what we see is we see emily hiding but she props up the phone so that sam can see charlie moving throughout the um the barn and what emily tells sam is um I'm going to have to mute you or you're going to have to mute yourself because you're making too much noise and Charlie's going to find me. So what they decide to do is Emily tells Sam, um, I need you to notify me when Charlie hits this spot, this particular spot in the barn. So obviously there's a plan afoot. Um, Sam says, okay, mutes her phone, because I'm completely ignoring the B story at this point. All throughout this movie, Sam's been dealing with shitty customers and uh, the broken slushy machine, all while still on the phone with Sam trying to do her job. Um, You know, God bless her. Sam never tries to get off the phone with her and say, oh, I got to I got to fix the Slurpee machine or whatever. You know, she's trying to make Emily her priority, but she's still trying to do her job as well. That leads to a misunderstanding with uh, Missy Pyle's character, Carol. Uh, (laughs) I just realized her name was Carol. They should have just called her Karen. What the hell? Close enough. But, yeah, basically this character was giving uh, Sam shit at the convenience store. Um, She pumped 87 – or, no, she pumped – she filled up her gas tank, but she filled it up with the wrong octane. She meant to pump 91 into her tank, but she pumped 87 by accident. And she fucking forces Sam to give her a, a fucking refund. How stupid is that? Like, she still gets the gas, even if it's the wrong octane, and she gets all her money back. So already Sam's day, and this was early in Sam's day, like I said. At this point, during the final chase of uh, Emily and Charlie, Sam is dealing with a Carol coming back to the store with a gun, shooting it once in the air to try to scare Sam into coming out of the uh, bulletproof glass cage that convenience stores sometimes have. That, that you know gas stations and shit sometimes have uh so she's safe behind bulletproof glass but she ends up calling her husband her husband shows up and he's got like this you know uh, like a yachtsman outfit on like he's very obviously some rich you know uh, diplomatic type um you know he drives a, a nice car uh, and then he goes to the trunk after talking to his wife, and he pulls out a fucking AK-47, an actual goddamn assault rifle, not an AR-15, which is something you would think you'd see in Florida. But he pulls out an actual fucking AK and starts threatening Sam, who is still behind the bulletproof glass, who's still trying to maneuver Sam, or excuse me, Emily, through this barn and their little plan that they got going. Finally, the store owner, the guy who, you know, yelled at Sam earlier in the day to fix the Slurpee machine, finally he shows up. Um, He pulls out his gun, but as soon as he walks into the store, he sees that Carol and her husband both are armed, and he gets scared like a little bitch and drops his gun instantly inside of his own fucking store and ends up going to the supply closet, grabbing a crowbar and smashing through the window. So basically... It's a beautiful bit of parallel editing where you've got, you know, Charlie chasing Emily through this barn and then multiple armed people trying to get into the uh, bulletproof cage to get to Sam, all because Sam swiped Carol's phone. Um, Again, I'm skipping a lot here, but uh, let's just say Carol was a total cunt and just didn't want to hear any of Sam's shit. Even though Sam literally flat out said, this girl is about to get murdered. I need your phone. And Carol's exact line was, I don't give a fuck about her. I want my fucking phone or I want my credit card. At this point, it was the credit card. And then after she swipes the phone and goes into the bulletproof cage, blah, blah, blah. I'm all over the place here. I'm sorry about that folks. Um, Back to, back to Emily and Charlie in the barn. Uh, Sam is in the cage, multiple people. At this point, the cops have arrived too. And this is the part where me and Don kind of have an issue with the film, because literally cops show up at the convenience store. They see a woman with a handgun in her hand, uh, a white man with a fucking assault rifle, and then another white man with a crowbar in his hand. Three armed white people. And who the fuck do they they point their guns at? The unarmed minority in the glass cage. Florida. That's all I got to say. Um I agree with Don. It's it's crazy over the top and a little bit frustrating, but ultimately everything does kind of work out. So, back to Emily and Charlie in the barn. Um Emily is like throwing stuff around the barn to try to get Charlie to stand on one particular spot in the uh in the barn and like I said at the same time uh, people are breaking into the the glass cage to get the Sam uh it's a nice little piece of tension actually because it because if they get into that cage before charlie gets to the spot she's not going to be able to send the message and emily's dead she's basically just dead that's it but uh thankfully just before the cops and the store owner are able to get into the glass cage charlie does end up stepping on the spot that they had agreed on She sends the message so that Emily can hear the ding. And when she hears the ding from the text message, she knows it's time to go. When she hears that ding, she jumps out of her hiding spot with the pesticide dispenser, you know, the the big thing on her back, the tank on her back and the gun. And she's just spraying the shit out of her uh, fiance, gets it right in his eyes. He's blinded. Um, He still tries to grab at her while he's blind from the chemicals. You know, they have a little bit of a struggle and eventually Emily is able to push him off the ledge of the barn. At this point, they're upstairs in the barn. I forgot to mention that, but um, she's able to push him off the ledge of the upstairs of the barn. He falls to his death Uh, and that's pretty much the end of uh, the main part of the story at this point emily is saved charlie is dead but sam is being arrested and put into a cop car and right before she gets into the cop car she flips carol off and tells her to fuck off which i and she's got this beautiful smug smile on her face sam that is cuz sam knows that you know th- this arrest ain't going to stick that once everybody figures out everything that happened just like mike said um I agree with his Mike's statement about not needing the epilogue or the epi- yeah the epilogue scene to convince us that everything worked out okay, but there is one very vital thing that the epilogue gives us and basically our epilogue it's um it's a couple of weeks later, i believe I think it's exactly two weeks later um emily ends up calling sam uh you know emily's all done up nice her hair makeup looks good everything sam is even done up nice she's obviously not working at the convenience store anymore and they make plans to kind of get together um uh you know to, to get together you know during happier times and finally meet face to face blah 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 um and as sam is driving away oh basically. Emily makes the comment, uh, one of the last lines of dialogue in the movie, Emily says to Sam, thank you for saving my life that day. And then Sam turns around and says, thank you for doing the same. And, you know, Emily didn't quite hear that, but she's in a rush to get to the airport to go on a trip that she's going on with her mom right now. Um, So what did she mean by that statement? Well, as she's driving away, She pulls out a piece of paper. Now, on this piece of paper, she had written uh, Emily's phone number earlier. Like, you know, when they were first on the phone together, um, she basically asked, "Okay, if we get disconnected or anything and I got to call you back, let me get your number. Let me write it down. Uh, Or if I have to call you from somebody else's phone, which is basically what ends up happening after she swipes the Karen's phone. So at the end of the movie, everything's cool. She pulls out the piece of paper, and there's Emily's number that she wrote down. And then she turns the card around in the car, looks at it, and kind of gives a look like, nah, I don't need you anymore. Uh, We don't see the card at this point while she's in the car. Uh, She ends up taking the business card and throwing it out the window. We see it with its backside up showing the phone number, Emily's phone number that Sam had written down on it. Then the wind comes by, flips the card over. And what it was, was a business card for a suicide hotline. And if you look at the phone number, it's off one number from Emily's phone. Sam was trying to call a suicide hotline before her shift at work that morning. So obviously, Sam, because of everything going on in her life, losing her mother, the fact that she kind of blamed herself for losing her mother, Sam was probably on the brink of taking her own life. And because of this situation with Emily, she now has this lust for life. She she lets Emily know that she's going back to school and, you know, she's leaving Florida and everything else. And, you know, it's just it's just a nice, happy ending for both our characters, which, despite what Mike says, I say was a necessary scene because I absolutely adored it. And like I said, without the uh, without the epilogue, we don't know who uh, Sam was trying to call at the beginning of the movie. And I think that's very profound. To actually see that, that she was trying to call a suicide hotline, you know, obviously in the hopes of preventing her suicide. But uh, she accidentally got Emily. You could see the frustration on her face when she got the voicemail of somebody she didn't recognize and then just decided to go and do her shift that day anyway. So that's unseen, folks. And I loved it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, don't don't let it go unseen because it was pretty good.
0: Yeah, I mean, for an indie film, you know, low budget, but, I mean, I like indie films like this where it's good performances, where they're not relying on shitty effects, they're not relying on lots of blood and gore, they're relying on performances. This movie is a performance piece, it is all about Sam and Emily, the relationship that they are forced into, um, and then where that relationship goes over the course of the next couple of hours, and then obviously they end up being best of friends at the end of the film, so... Happy endings all around. <laughs> I'm down for horror movies with happy endings anytime, <laughs> unless it's a zombie movie. Zombie movies shouldn't have happy endings ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking
0: at you, World War Z. Fuck off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's gonna do it for no, our not discussion. discussion that's the, on
0: the only team. issue with
1: World War Z, though. Oh, yeah. no,
0: World War Z is terrible in general, but,
1: yeah, the ending really pissed me off. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. do let's not pretend that's not the only real issue with it. Exactly, yep, yep.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's make that the first and last time we talk about World War Z. Yes! God,
0: please. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, before we get out of here, let's uh, find out what new we have from everyone. So, Venom, uh, do you have anything since we last recorded?
0: yes um no more room in hell presents creature comforts episode 16 is now in the can uh, we recorded that this last weekend um, we were able to get our guest brandon young from the anatomy of fear podcast we looked at tremors um, i would say i'll spend some time this week editing it i should have it done by the end of the week um in between all the other hundreds of things that i do and hopefully that episode will be out by the weekend or early next week for your ears to hear. As I mentioned earlier, we did Tremors, which was an absolute blast to work with Brandon again. Brandon, longtime listeners of this show probably know Brandon Young. He did a he did a few episodes with us early on, um, years ago, but then, you know, Uh, He got out of podcasting for a little bit, or maybe not got out of, but just had some scheduling conflicts with his partner, and they didn't record an episode for almost a year, but uh, The Anatomy of Fear is back. They came back with their Best of 2022 episode, which I did listen to. It's actually a pretty good episode. Both hosts have very, very different lists um so it's well worth listening to and they've done other episodes since then too so i highly recommend the anatomy of fear brandon young is a great podcaster great voice um really intelligent so check out that episode when it comes out otherwise nothing else new main show episode 51 with Nikki williams is still our latest episode um crystal lake gift shop episode three is still the latest episode and that's about it for me no guest spots to report
2: Alright, I'll kick it over to Don. What do you got, Don?
1: Alright, as mentioned, Creature Comforts uh, number 16 is uh, recorded and should be available soon. Was, uh, I, I definitely echo what uh, Venom said. It was a lot, lot of fun and I'm definitely glad to check with him once again. Uh, latest episode of uh, the Horror Countdown is available. I uh, finished off my Women in Horror Month series and I'm uh, back to my regularly scheduled guests. I have uh, Michael from uh, Dark Discussions, our uh, father, or uh, I should say our host network. Um, I had hit on, him on to uh, discuss our favorite uh, genre figures. So uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, characters like Dracula or the Wolfman or, you know, Uh, You know, Jason and Michael Myers and, you know, people like that and, you know, like our our favorite like genre icons. And, uh, yeah, it was a a lot of fun and I'm definitely glad that uh, we got to uh, do that. And uh, two guest spots have been uh, recorded. Neither one of those are uh, available yet, like I said. Uh, First up was uh, my guest on uh, Stew World Order, where (laughs) I looked at uh, Red 2. And uh, the other one is a uh, road to nowhere where I did a uh, triple bill of Lucio Fulci films. So both of those are um, payoffs for uh, me, uh, me having uh, the host of that particular podcast on my show. But uh, since I don't know uh, their format or their schedule, I can't say when each of those are going to be available. I'll probably be promoting those until uh, they're out. So um uh, like I said, I, I I don't know the format. I don't know their release schedules, but um, until then, uh, I will uh, keep talking about those. But uh, yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much it for me.
2: Okay, uh, as far as I go, yeah, nothing new. Um, the The next episode of No More Room in Hell is scheduled, so. Uh, If there's no postponements or setbacks with that, that should be recording at the end of this week. So um, our our recording streak at least should reach its third episode. So that's good. That's good to report. Um, Let's see. Other than that, nothing really coming up for me.
0: Uh, Venom. Are we? Is there a theatrical release this week? Nothing this week, but we got three next week. Three fucking theatrical horror releases next week, so we might have to like flip a three-sided coin or something.
2: Yeah, well, what what would you say the biggest one is?
0: Uh, I, I probably between Renfield and Pope's Exorcist. Um, the oh. third movie is uh, Nefarious, which uh, I accidentally saw the trailer for Nefarious before uh, un- uh before Malum yesterday. Um, and, uh, it does look pretty interesting, so, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that too, but yeah, three in one weekend, so, I don't know, we'll have to flip a coin and figure out which one, I'm probably gonna see all three anyway, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I'll probably try to see more than one at least, yeah. uh, and then. But as far as this week uh, goes, I'm yeah, I'm, go. I'm not sure,
0: yeah, I I have nothing playing theatrically here, uh, this week, so. Maybe VOD
2: maybe yeah. or something. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I mean, I know there was the new one that dropped on Shudder that was almost a candidate for this episode, so that can be like a backup backup plan. And then I'm sure more stuff will release on VOD this week. Um,
1: yeah, there's, so we'll one, there's one I know there's one I, know, I got a screener for called Blood Covered Chocolate that sounds really good. Um, it's supposedly a Take on Nosferatu, but it's not like a it's not like a traditional remake, but it's like based on Nosferatu, like it's a retelling of Nosferatu
0: mm-hmm. on for that
1: yeah um yeah. I, I got a screener for that, and uh, I also have an interview with the director coming soon as well, so yeah, cool. um. He, yeah I, I he should he said he sent he was going to send the interview over um in the next day or two cuz um i'm facebook friends with him and uh, yeah he said that he was going to send the interview over in a day or two and he said that uh, on the sunday Well, he said that uh sunday uh, as we're recording so um i, I should have that available and uh you know hopefully i can get the interview the movie out but yeah that was one that um it, it was really interesting cuz uh I, I i mean i haven't seen the film yet but i got a
2: the screener for it. Cool. All right. Well, with that, we'll be back in a week with another episode. But until then, it is time to end the show. So let's say bye to our listeners.
1: Later.
0: Never trust rich white men.
2: <laughs> Peace. <laughs>